Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And what is up? Welcome in. It is GC Live Thursday episode of the show. Uh, maybe the only show we have this week, so we got a lot to get to. Wes Mitchell here, Mike Yuva joining us. Plenty to get to. First of all, Mikey, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing all right. Been uh, been an interesting day in the world of uh, SEC football, but uh, you know the good thing is for Gamecock fans, at least Saban will be speaking on one of the days that Shane Beamer will be speaking, which will be that Tuesday. It would have been great if Jimbo was speaking the same day as Saban. Maybe we'd get a steel cage match, you know, right around the corner, you know, in Atlanta, you know, maybe in the uh, in uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But uh, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah, it does um, all of a sudden feel like a scripted WWE event almost. Um, I, I would dare say, you know, I, I hate when radio and, and TV and just sports people in general, like – exaggerate everything but i dare say um i have never at least in recent memory off the top of my head i've never seen coaches go directly at each other the way these two guys are right now so generally we keep this show south carolina based but on a day like today especially in may when you get these fireworks we're of course going to talk about the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher drama. We're going to talk a bit about Freddie Kitchens and that role that he's going to have at South Carolina with him being added to South Carolina's football staff. And um, at the end, we'll probably talk a little bit about Mike's first ever trip to Dorman University, which is um, quite a sight. But first, got to tell you all about our buddy Clint Hammond. He is presenting sponsor on GC Live. The NMLS number is 71597. Email address is chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. You see his phone number right there, 803-576-4450. If you want to get in and buy a house before these interest rates keep on going up, hit Clint up and he'll help you through the process. Already got some folks in the chat. Uh, appreciate y'all joining us on a little bit of sort of a different different time than we normally do, but um, we wanted to hop on there. It is the off season, so we're going to let the off season guide our conversation. And Mike, this, this all started um, – if you're watching this live or listening to this on Thursday, this all started yesterday mm-hmm. on Wednesday with comments from Nick Saban. And, um, you know, first and foremost, Mike, I I was a bit shocked for Saban to be as, um, I would say, just blatant as, as he was, just as outgoing as he was. 
Like, I, I don't know. Now, generally, Nick Saban is one of those guys that um, he has a reason for everything he says and does. It's very calculated. He's someone that, um, you know, if you are if you think you're a step ahead, he's probably two steps ahead. Um, but with that in mind, I, I do wonder his motivation. So, so before we get into the just extremely pointed comments from Jimbo today, Let's go back to Nick Saban's comments. Um, the big one, he said, basically, Texas A&M, quote, bought every player on their team and uh, then called out Deion Sanders and Jackson State for um, basically bragging about paying a million dollars to a guy. Um, Saban said, quote, our players last year created $3 million worth of opportunity for themselves by doing it the right way. I have no problem with that. Nobody had a problem on our team with that because the guys who got the money earned it. The issue and the problem with name, image, and likeness is coaches trying to create an advantage for themselves. Um, your just initial thoughts on Saban's comments at face value and his motivations for said comments. I, I am a little surprised, not even just the fact that these two have a history of coaching with each other, right? I, I think the bigger thing that I'm surprised about is at the end of the day, Coaches know that funny business goes on everywhere. I mean, that doesn't mean it's happening every single year, but there's funny business that goes on, especially when you've coached with someone before. So the fact that Saban would would open up his mouth about this, like he knows the backlash is going to happen. And let's just, you know, hypothetically say that some type of funny business has gone on over the last couple of years at Alabama. All it takes is one, one slip up to open up the can of worms. So I'm a little surprised that that happened. Um, with Jimbo, though, regardless of, you know, and I put a little Twitter poll out a little while ago about, you know, who do you believe? You know, do you believe Saban? Do you believe Jimbo Fisher? Do you feel like both of them are hiding something? Um, surprise, surprise that the majority of the votes have been that uh, they're hiding something. They feel like, you know, people people feel like they're both hiding something. I think this is an interesting stat, though, and this was actually shared on the um, on the Insiders Forum on Gamecock Central, and this is a tweet that one of our um subscribers shared so it's not their tweet but this is the last couple of years jimbo at a&m 2018 zero five stars 2019 two five stars 2020 two five stars 2021 one five star then you have the introduction of nil in 2022 so far seven five stars in the highest rated class of all time so I get where Saban would be upset. And the only thing I could think of for a motivation, uh, for, for like a motive, Wes, and where I'm trying to go with all this, Nick knows he doesn't have too much time left. So if he feels like, hey, you know what? I only have a couple more years left. I want to be able to win another ring or two or three. Um, if I feel like people are playing unfair, even though I may have, and I'm not saying he has, but I he may have, um, why not? Why not take a stab at it? So I think that, it is uncharacteristic like of Saban to say something like this. Cause like you alluded to, typically he's going to bite his tongue, very Belichick like the two have obviously coached in Cleveland together. I can't see a guy like Bill Belichick doing something like this. And before last night, I would have said that I would never have expected Nick Saban to do something like this as well. Well, and you know, in, in poker, they call this uh Mike, uh, when somebody's on tilt, that, that basically means that you let your emotions, you're so ticked off because of something that's happened, maybe it's a bad beat, um, something's just gone against you, that you start 
making decisions that you otherwise would not have made. And um, that, in general, usually means you make bad emotional-driven decisions as opposed to calculated decisions. So I'm curious, and, and I don't I don't really know yet which guy I think that fits. Like, is Saban, is Saban sort of um, the calculated one in that he's calling out A&M while, as um, we, we see a comment here from Will on YouTube saying yeah. that um, he's signaling to Bama's boosters, like, hey, guys, they – Nobody does this better than us. Like, say what you you know. You, everybody's heard the rumors about Alabama for, for third you know for three decades. Um, you know, in recruiting players and doing what they have to do to sign players. So my my question would be: Is is Saban the one who is ticked off, and he's the one acting emotionally because, in essentially Jimbo's words, Saban's not getting his way, so he's taking his ball and trying to go home, saying this isn't fair, or is Saban the calculated one and Jimbo in his press conference is the one who was on tilt and basically acting. Jimbo's definitely acting emotionally. He got very defensive. Oh, yeah. uh, essentially like I, I assume these guys were at some version of friends, you know, before, like I, I, I know there was a, a level of respect. Um, they had made playful comments towards each other, you know, in the media or in these like booster uh, sort of um, sessions before, but I thought it was in good fun. Um, neither, neither guy is laughing right now. Like it, it seems as if this friendship, if it was a friendship um, or even just a working relationship, a respect, respectful relationship is over, but I don't know who's, who's the emotional one and who's the calculated one, or are they both just being emotional? No, and, and that's the thing you mentioned, you know, Will's comment, uh, not Will Muschamp, Will McLean over here in our uh, comment section here saying, you know, he feels like Saban's comments was a sign for Bama's boosters to step up and Jimbo took the bait. I, I want to believe that everything that Nick Saban does is calculated, right? It would make sense. That's what he's done throughout his entire career. I mean, everything that he says, there's a reason. There's a reason why when he goes up to the podium, he comes across as a prick sometimes. The reason why he's doing that is because he's setting the tone for his players. I mean, it happens throughout sports all the time. The way that a coach is in front of the camera. I mean, going back during the Will Muschamp era, Wes, you had an opportunity just like me to be able to get to know Will. Will wasn't exactly the same exact way in front of the camera as he was away from the camera, right? So coaches try to set the tone when they're in front of the camera. Was he trying to set the tone and send the message to the boosters? It would make sense. It would make sense. But at the same time, too, you have to be. I mean, Saban's not that dumb. He knows that if he says something like this, it is going to irritate and piss off a lot of people, especially a guy that he coached with, with Jimbo Fisher. So I say all that because you hear that, the comments last night. You hear what Jimbo said today, which was Nick Saban reached out and tried to talk to him. You know, Jimbo just declined that. You wonder if he left a message. You know, Nick Saban seems like a guy that would still leave voicemails. You know, be like, hey, Jimbo, uh, sorry about the – but what do you say? What What do you say? You know, like there's certain things, you know, just think about it just in life. People make mistakes, especially if you're involved with the public, right? You know, whether it be social media or whatever. Or if it doesn't even have to be a public figure. You know, people aren't Twitter all the time. You see what someone tweeted or, hey, you know what, mm, not a fan of what you said. He had to have known 
the backlash was going to come. My question is, he calls Jimbo. Let's just say for the sake of the conversation, he left a voicemail because Jimbo obviously didn't pick up. What the hell are you going to say, right? I'm, I'm Nick Saban. I'm calling you, Wes. You're Jimbo. What the hell am I going to say to make you say, you know what, Nick? Hey, it happens, man. Don't worry about it. Because regardless if Jimbo and Texas A&M have some skeletons in their closet, and let's say there is something that happened from an NIL standpoint that has allowed these players to uh, go to, to Texas A&M by giving them an advantage, a recruiting advantage, I agree with what Jimbo said, which is, you know, the, the players, you know, it's unfair for the players. The players get caught up on all this. Now, if the players were involved in some of this, though, that changes things. But right now, I mean, it's the easiest thing to do in college sports, which is just accuse someone of cheating through NIL. Because right now, it's really difficult to prove if someone has indeed cheated or not. Yeah, it is, man. And I think the question, you know, that, or the thought that comes to my mind is for, for the longest time, hasn't it felt, I mean, there are accusations of cheating in college sports for, um, I mean, since I would imagine since it has existed, I know certainly as long as I've been alive, that that's been a thing. And, um, you know, the word, the buzzword is now NIL. It used to be, you know, so-and-so got a car under the table or, or something like that would be the rumors that would go along. And you would hear coaches, as you said, you know, maybe maybe complain, oh, that guy cheated or something like that. I, I think this is a bit unique in the public nature of one SEC coach pointing direct fingers at another SEC coach with the added bonus of these guys used to work together. If, um, if Saban has skeletons, Jimbo probably does know about them. Um, Saban probably has a pretty good idea of how Jimbo operates as well. To, to point fingers like that publicly um, doesn't seem like the door you wanted to open, in my opinion. And um, just the now the, the sports media world, the college football fans who thought this was going to be a boring May the 19th as we uh, actually are officially – do you know we're 100 days from the kickoff of college football? Um I think it's like 107 for South Carolina. But it's South Carol- yeah, 107 for South Carolina for September 3rd, and then just in yeah. general. Yeah, 100 for that uh, sort of yep. week zero type thing they do. Yep. So 100 days from kickoff. We didn't think we were getting these fireworks, and all of a sudden we do. But I just – I'm with you, man. I don't know that you want to be pointing fingers because it sort of goes back to, um, you know, one of the oldest sayings. I've heard it. Since I was a kid, you know, you you shouldn't, you know, shouldn't point fingers if you live in a glass house, or shouldn't throw stones if you live in a glass house. Um, neither side probably really wants the NCAA looking into every little piece of what they do. I wouldn't think so. I uh, I don't know. We're all enjoying it. I don't know if it's that smart necessarily. <laughs> If you're either one of these guys, in my opinion, you know, what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. You have two fan bases that are absolutely nuts and Gamecock fans are nuts too. Don't get me wrong, but you have two fan bases that are absolutely nuts in a good way. Okay. Both fan bases have a bunch of money when it comes to wanting to do what they can to be able to help football. I mean, that's why we're talking about this conversation today where I'm going with all this is, 
You don't think someone from A&M is pissed off at what Nick Saban said, and regardless if they feel like you know Jimbo's telling the truth or not, they're going to want to defend their coach. They're want to they're going to want to defend their university. They're going to invest money trying to find out if anything funny has gone on at Alabama. On the flip side, there's going to be an Alabama booster or two who's going to invest money trying to find out if Texas A&M has indeed done anything funny, not just this year, but since Jimbo Fisher has arrived. I don't know what's going to happen ultimately in the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, next couple of years, but I will not be shocked if we do see a domino effect at either one of these schools or something involving one of the guys that used to coach with Saban. And we're going to see a domino effect of just, oh boy, because all it takes is one coach to go down and then you watch how quickly people will start blowing the whistle, trying to just save their reputation and be able to just kind of like they fell off the ship, just trying to grab onto anything to be able to keep themselves afloat. I don't feel like this is the end of this, not just between these two guys. Of course, we have SEC media days coming up in a couple months, but I feel like this could have opened up a can of worms that I don't think either coach was necessarily anticipating. Yeah, I think you're right, man. So Deion Sanders has also tweeted, um, this was from 13 hours ago, he said, you best believe I will address that lie Coach Saban told tomorrow. I was awakened by my son, Shadur, and that sent me the article stating that we paid Travis Hunter Jr. a million to play at Jacksonville State. We as a people don't have to pay our people to play with our people. Um, Travis Hunter has also tweeted and said, <laughs> I got a mill, but my mom still stays in a three-bedroom house with five kids laughing emoji and uh, Dion responded said I don't even make a million so this is um I don't know man it's unprecedented in some ways it's insane in some other ways it's uh if you're if you're not one of the people involved not one of the fan bases involved you're probably sitting back well, well enjoying- when is when is Shane Beamer speaking again when's the next uh part of the, the Beamer the welcome home tour um well that that would be next Tuesday so at least he's got he's got some time to be able to collect his thoughts and because you know he's going to be asked this, he knows he's going to be asked this. Well, so and Beamer did, um, and he's been asked he, questions about NIL, like you said, he was he, he was asked a question about NIL actually last night. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 point, the thing is, and and you know this, all these coaches they're connected in some shape, way, or form. So it puts a lot of these other coaches in an uncomfortable spot, whether or not they know there's funny bits. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I don't want to say necessarily Shane Beer. There could be another coach in the SEC that knows, I'm just making this up, that knows the funny business that has gone on at Texas A&M or, has, or knows what Jimbo Fisher was talking about with Nick Saban. And they're sitting back saying, it's about time. It's about time someone said something, but I'm not going to be the one that speaks up but it puts them in an uncomfortable spot because they're going to get asked these questions. And if they do know something, most likely they're going to play dumb because what's the point of getting involved with it all. But number two, now it's kind of like you're picking sides. And I mean, these two coaches, there's a tree that goes off left, right. They know each other very well. Beamer knows Saban. Beamer knows uh, Jimbo Fisher. I, I, it's going to be interesting. I don't know the other the other road dog, I don't say road dog tour, that's what they did for Mississippi State. I don't know when some of these other booster tours that are going on for football, but keep an eye on some of the sound bites we get over the next couple of weeks because um, I think there might be one coach or two. It might be Lane Kiffin, might be Mike Leach. I feel like one coach or two will actually speak up 
and tell you how they really feel about all this. So for those who are wondering, uh, Beamer did speak a bit on it yesterday. Uh, this quote, Colin Taylor was there as well. I don't know if Colin was there when Beamer necessarily said this. So to accurately credit it, uh, this is actually from Ben, from Ben Portnoy from the state who transcribed this. Um, Beamer said, I'm all for guys being able to profit. Um, that word is added with quotes that Ben added. It. I don't know exactly what he said. So I, I'm all for guys being able to profit from NIL, I guess is what Beamer was asked about. Uh, quote, to carry on Joyner, for example, after that bowl game, I think he's brought in over six figures since that bowl game. <laughs> used it to put on a camp back in his hometown, which he did last weekend. Our players used some of that money to take underprivileged kids shopping on his shopping spree before Christmas. Parentheses, that's a Garnet Trust shout out. That's how the rule is intended to be used. What I don't like is it's turned into buying recruits, and that's not what the rule was intended to be. That's my honest, politically correct answer on all that. But I think most college coaches will tell you that the way it is right now is not sustainable, and it's not that it was intended to be. It's not what it was intended to be, I'm guessing. We need to figure out the best way to get it under control for us, the student athletes, and for everyone involved. You know, Mike, you read that, you hear that. That was a much more tame and much less directed at an individual. Saban went the direct, I'm about to call some people out and make a bunch of headlines route. Uh, but that that was sort of, Beamer's trying to say there, in his opinion, there's a probably a pretty decent consensus within college coaches oh, yeah. that we want players to be able to monetize their name, image, and likeness, and profit from their brand, essentially, that they've created for themselves, but that it does need to be reeled in to an extent. Now, how you actually do that is um, anybody's guess. Um, We can move on from this, man, but do you have any final thoughts, I guess, on what Beamer had to say? No, not 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 really. I mean, I think he's basically saying it without being as direct, which is like, hey, we know there's stuff going on. Like I said, these coaches all know each other. They know what's going on. I do want to mention this, though, Wes, um, since everyone's defending themselves today. You know, shout out Jimbo Fisher. Um, just to clarify things, because I've been asked this a couple times. I know we've seen this on the message boards. Garnet Truss has nothing to be worried about right now. So if you're a supporter of Garnet Trust with the NIL rules that have changed and you keep hearing NIL, this and that, this has no impact on that whatsoever uh, because we're not dealing with prospects. We only deal with the kids that are actually here. So I just wanted to mention that because I know that's been brought up over the last couple of weeks, and rightfully so. There's there's a lot of gray area right now in the world of NIL. But um, if you are a Garnet Trust supporter, if you're someone that wants to look into Garnet Trust, this is something that strictly deals with student athletes once they're here. And it's just, it's has nothing to do with the rules that have simply that, that have recently changed by the NCAA. Which is how NIL was designed. When you yep. are a student athlete um, and you have a following, you have a brand, especially the big thing y'all where the guys have been able to create value is more in social media following. Like if yep. you have a huge social media following, that's where you, you look at Spencer Rattler. You have, I think it was 400,000 or so people on his Instagram. That's when you start to get the national brands involved because they see a, a an audience there that is a, a captivated audience too that mm-hmm. wants to hear from Spencer Rattler, wants to see what he's doing. And so then it becomes more than like a local thing where 
you're going to have a lot of local, like mom and pop stores want to advertise. It becomes more of a national thing. And that, in my opinion, is where the guys can truly make some money. But the value is actually there for the company as well, for the person yep. who wants that player to speak for them. That That's what NIL was initially supposed to be. That's what it's built for. It's a carry-on joiner. I mean, it, that's the it, reason Boomer exactly. brought him up. Like, he is a prime example. And and you mentioned, Wes, for our um, our Gamecock Central subscribers, if you're not a subscriber, go check out On3. That's one of the neat things. You can actually get a ballpark of what some of these athletes are worth. And I think Spencer is around, what, $1.2 But that takes into consideration the reach they have from a social media standpoint on top of how they're performing on the field. So if you want to go down that rabbit hole, it is uh, pretty neat. As football, basketball, pretty cool to just check that stuff out on on three. And, and you know who, um, actually, you know, other than I would say, other than Rattler, who yep. obviously comes in with a national brand already well intact, um, it, it's the women's basketball players and the followings yep. that they have been able to um, to build up that that I think has proven to be extremely valuable. Absolutely. And again, it's it's not. It's not in fake value in this stuff that, you know, this conversation with Jimbo and Dion and Saban and all that, that's more about just creating an inflated value in order to get players. This is more about rewarding someone for the actual following that they do have. And the South Carolina women's basketball players have been, um, you know, been able to monetize their brands incredibly well when it comes to that stuff. Um, I'm looking right now. Rattler has 389,000 followers on Instagram. Um, I'll tell you who a South Carolina student athlete that is going to maybe y'all didn't realize this yet, but probably has a chance to really monetize um, his brand. And I believe already probably already has would be uh, the transfer Michi Johnson from Ohio state. Mm-hmm. He um, he's got, 116,000 followers on Instagram and 86,000 followers on TikTok. So mm-hmm. that's uh, again that's not that not that this show was built around us talking about IG and TikTok, but it's it's mm-hmm. become Mike that's a part of the sports conversation when it comes to NIL. But let, let's get it back to football, man. Let's talk a little bit of um local news that actually affects the Gamecocks. That would be the hire of Freddie Kitchens as um, South Carolina's senior offensive analyst. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. Hey, remember how 20 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, now it's the future, and I used all those savings to buy this new hologram phone. Because, you know, it's the future, and everything is holograms now. So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. And, you know, I know you and I were texting. uh, We were texting our Gamecock Central group text. This is something that's sort of been formulating, sort of been in the works for a a little while. Freddie has been spotted in Columbia, Mm -hmm. as you said. I had heard this was going to be a possibility, but I wasn't sure. A, if it was really going to happen, B, when it was going to be official. But it is officially official. South Carolina announced it yesterday. And I'll, I'll go ahead and let you give your thoughts on it, Mike. But I'll say this. I, I think it's a very sharp move by Shane Beamer to add the experience that Kitchens has to this South Carolina coaching staff. 
Well, let's start. Let's start with this, because naturally people are going to look at this higher and they're going to think back to when he was coaching the Cleveland Browns. I get that. I understand. I totally get that. But you realize that this man was not only the, the Mr. Football of Alabama coming out. Right. He was a phenomenal, phenomenal football player back in the day. He has plenty of experience of coaching, obviously, in the NFL, but he has plenty of experience of coaching in the SEC as well. You think about Mississippi State, you think about LSU. This is a guy that has worked with some pretty talented players too, right? You think about um, being with the Arizona Cardinals when they went to the Super Bowl and they lost to the Steelers and, and being able to, you know, work with, some talented guys think about Carson Palmer. So, you know, I, I say that because I think it's so easy just to look at and be like, Oh my goodness. You know, Oh, the Cleveland Brown. We get that. Okay. It's part of his legacy. That, that doesn't define him, though. I mean, think about from a, from a college standpoint, Tim Tebow. Oh my God, Tim Tebow. Oh, what an awful NFL player. Does that mean Tebow just absolutely like sucked as a football player? No. I mean, freaking one of Heisman. It's probably one of the greatest college players of all time. So, you know, this is, I think low risk, high reward. You mentioned before, Wes, um, I don't think we've shared this anywhere because um, I just, I don't know, didn't know if it really made sense to share it. But yeah, like you mentioned, Kitchens was here in Columbia. One of his uh, children were, were getting recruited for a sport here at South Carolina. Um, so he had been spotted the last couple months. So, you know, he he knows where to go to eat. I can tell you that much. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know he's uh he's it's gonna be it's gonna be good and you think about too you think about what georgia did right with will muschamp this past year you think about what alabama has done in terms of the rehabilitation coaching additions right um this is something that we've seen a lot of successful teams do in college football especially the sec so um not saying that freddie needs you know uh rehabilitation. I mean, it's always just the funny phrase that people like to talk around about some of these coaches, but I think this is a tremendous hire. And I think there's gonna be a lot of benefits that will come from it with having a guy like, like kitchens. Cause some people are just going to look at him and be like, Oh, Freddie from the Browns. No, no, no. This guy brings a lot of good things to the table. Yeah. And I, I think um, there are two things I wanted to hit on. And that was one of them, Mike. Um, not, not to say this to like, I don't know, talk down to anyone. Cause I haven't really seen this, sentiment from a ton of people but you're right there have been a few people um if, if you're sitting there maybe looking at or, or trying to judge his ability to do what he's being hired to do at South Carolina based on one year as an NFL head coach um you're just not you don't get it honestly like you're just not getting it because the you know you this is a senior offensive analyst role so there's very little carryover, I would say, to being successful in this role that would also have any, I would say, carryover from being an NFL head coach. If anything, just the sheer experience of everything you would have to be involved in to be a head coach at the highest level that exists in football, I believe is what Shane Beamer values. Uh, you know, he, he talked yesterday at the Welcome Home Tour about having another guy who has head coaching experience. Mm -hmm. One thing I think I've noticed more and more the last year, um, being around the program a bit, seeing what Beamer values, he leans on Pete Limbo a lot, who is the other coach yep. on this staff that has head coaching 
um, experience. And I think that there's a balance on this staff, right? Like Beamer had no, uh, I would say, no qualms about bringing in someone like Sterling Lucas, who is in his very first on-the-field college football assistant job. So you're, you know, I'm guessing, I'm thinking off the top of my head, I think Sterling's the youngest guy on staff. So, Mm -hmm. but also he's brought in guys who have experience, who have, who have played or coached at the highest of levels. And, and I think we look, when you look at Kitchens, man, this guy has been in the NFL in one role or another for around 15 years. Mm-hmm. If you were in if you were in the NFL for that long, one, you're doing something right because they will they will kick you out in a second. Two, you've learned a lot. Like you you've seen about you've about seen it all. So I think this hire, in my opinion, um, is just about one. It made sense. Beamer mm-hmm. said he was around the staff. The all the guys got along. All the guys clicked. I think that was important as far as this concerned. But um, two, you're just you're adding another resource for Marcus Satterfield. You're adding another resource for your offensive players. You're adding a guy who, like you said, has been around some guys that are at the top or close to the top of of their game. So uh, of their level, I should say. So I mean. I don't really see any downside at all because, and it's not like he's he's coming in as the offensive coordinator. He's coming in to do a specific task, and um, I I think it's great. I mean, it this thing I looked, I googled Freddie Kitchens yesterday. This made like national headlines as far as the NFL wires go because <laughs> this guy was in the league for um, again around fifteen years. He has a lot of experience, and I, and I think the good thing too is what it shows is that Shane Beamer is willing to show some humility. And what I mean by that is you can never be, uh, you can never have too many good guys around you. You know, Nick Saban has shown it too over the years with the number of head coaches that they've brought in, whether they be a senior analyst, whether they be part, um, you know, a coordinator or one of the, you know, positional coaches. But you mentioned it before. I mean, being able to have a guy like Pete Lumble already and just adding extra pieces, guys that have had head coaching experience, it's just going to free up Shane. That's going to allow him to be able to focus on other things that will allow this program to take that next step. That's not saying that he's going in there each day and he's not, you know, doing anything, but he's going to be able to really focus on the whole picture and not to, you know, harp on Will Muschamp, but, you know, one of the things that Marcus Lattimore and I discussed on our podcast is that he felt like with Will, there was too much going on and he really wasn't able to focus in on it. And because of that, there was a lot of times where, whether it be in a positional room, whether it be in the weight room, the messages were all different. And he really wasn't able to just make sure that everyone was on the same page by doing this, by being able to have, additional voices in that room that are all speaking the same language and they all understand the message. It's going to allow Shane to be able to hop around a little bit more freely and be able to make sure that everything is running smoothly in the way that it needs to and all being pulled in the same direction. I know that sounds cliche. I know that sounds like, well, you know, that's what it should be. You'd be amazed at how quickly some of those messages are the complete opposite on one side of the building in comparison to the other side. I mean, I went through it myself in college, just at a smaller level. I mean, I can only imagine at the SEC in a much bigger building, literally, how quickly that message can change. So I think being able to have these extra guys on top of the resources that you mentioned, I think it's just going to allow Shane to be able to overlook things a little bit better. Picture it this way, right? 
Shane's like in the 10th row of the stadium. Now he's like at the 50th row because he's really able to get a full view of the field and what's going on. So if you want to have just the comparison of what that's going to allow him to do in comparison to where he was last season in his first year as head coach. Before we go any farther, I want to tell you about our other sponsor here on GC Live. It is our friends at Liberty Tax here in Columbia. Their number is 803-462-5576. As most of you probably know, tax time is over. If you have not done your taxes, uh, A, you should probably get on that. B, give our friends at Liberty Tax a call. They can help you file an extension. They have locations open Monday through Friday. If you own a small business and need advice, they have bookkeeping and payroll services for LLCs. S-Corps, and C-Corps, or if you owe some money to the IRS, uh, meet with their local professionals that they can represent you to help you settle your debt. Do they have a new Columbia location, 551 St. Andrews Road by Harbor Freight? They also have a Lexington office by the Dunkin' Donuts at 1123 South Lake Drive and an Irmo by the Kroger at 7467 St. Andrews Road. Again, that's our friends at Liberty Tax in the Columbia area, 803-462-557. Six, Mike, uh, before we close it out here, I do want to get to your dormant trip, but senior offensive analyst. Mm-hmm. I know Beamer said yesterday they're still sort of, you know, I would say formulating exactly what that is going to mean on a, I would imagine on like a day-to-day basis. Like what, what are you going to be doing on your day-to-day? But in general, these roles in my experience, especially, you know, at SEC programs where you have, Again, I, I'll use the word resource. You have so many resources if you are a player or a coach at this level. And generally that job means a lot of scouting, I believe. Uh, this is someone that can help in game planning. This mm-hmm. is someone that can help not only on scouting opponents, but also with self-scouting. Like what tendencies am I – if I'm the play caller, what tendencies am I producing that maybe I'm not realizing because I'm too close to it? Um, what, what would you be seeing if you were an opponent? It kind of, it kind of gives you an additional set of eyeballs from somebody that has experience, maybe game planning or scouting an opponent, but you apply that to yourself. So I, I would look at self scout, scout, maybe some analytics type stuff. Um, but there's been this other, I would say thought that's been thrown out there on Twitter. Somebody asked me about it. Somebody mentioned it on our board. This is not a Marcus Satterfield backup plan. Hmm. If things go bad, this, you know, this is not we're making this hire to put pressure on Satterfield and have someone looking over his shoulder. If anything, this hire helps Marcus Satterfield. If anything, it's an extra resource. And these two guys know each other. There's a respect level that's already there. The coaching Beamer would not have made this hire if the coaching staffs did not get along. If he didn't get along with the guys on the coaching staff and their experiences together already, so I want to go ahead and kind of put to bed that notion, but also put forward this notion because it's my opinion that if you have somebody in that role uh, with the experience of kitchens, it can be very valuable for someone who, in my opinion. Satterfield is an extremely smart football mind. Like this guy knows football. He knows X's and O's, Mike. Um, The issues on offense from last year um, could be highly correctable. And I I think having another guy in the room to help bounce ideas off of, to help give another opinion, to sometimes be the devil's advocate 
on stuff mm-hmm. um, can be highly valuable if, if all this clicks together. Yeah, I think we've got to a point, too, where you, myself, whoever, right, it doesn't matter, Beamer, we can say this X, Y, and Z about Marcus Satterfield. We can say this about the offensive line. I think from a fan perspective, they just want to be able to see it, right? I mean, we we can break things down. We can explain why certain things happened. Um, we feel like the the offense will be able to take that next step for multiple reasons, right? I mean, obviously it starts with, you know, Spencer Rattler. Then you look at the outside with adding guys like Antoine Wells Jr., look at a tight end. Um, like Austin Stogner, I think about a guy like Christian Beal Smith at running back. So there's no question about that. But um, I, I think I think offensively with Satterfield, things are going to be all right. I think the neat thing about this is you have a new tight ends coach right coming in here, and Jody Wright has worked with has worked with him the last couple of years. Worked with Kitchens in, in New York, and actually two seasons ago, Kitchens was the tight ends coach. So you talk about an extra set of eyes. You talk about an extra set of just experience out there, especially at a tight end room. And I'm not saying that Jody wouldn't be capable of being able to handle the room by himself, but it's, it's going to be nice. It's going to be nice to be able to walk in there and you have a guy that has a lot of experience with coaching tight ends. So you look at certain positions that South Carolina has, right? You mentioned um, Sterling, you know, being able to bring that experience from a defensive line standpoint, having coached in the NFL, I mean, now you have both sides of the ball. Um, guy, I mean, obviously Marcus Satterfield as well, but now you have guys that you add depth on both sides of the ball of guys that have coached at that next level. And, you know, that's the dream for a lot of these guys, right? I mean, I remember Lattimore telling me in 2018 that 99% of the guys that come in on scholarship, they truly believe they're going to go play in the NFL. So it will help them from a recruiting standpoint. It will help them from a – uh, preparation standpoint, heading into games, and it will help them next year as well in the offseason because you're able to just look at things in a different manner in terms of trying to find ways of being better because, hey, I want to go play the next level. All right, coach, well, you know, what do you think I need to do? So I think it's going to be something that's going to benefit this team throughout the entire year, not just one facet or just two little areas. SC Scout guy asks, uh, what exactly do the official rules say that Kitchens will be able to do as far as his contact with players at practice and games. Um, That is a fantastic question. I'm not going to BS you. Um, I feel like there's some gray area when it comes to analysts um, as far as what they're able to do and what they're not able to do. Um, So I don't want to give you a wrong answer, scout guy. I can tell you this. They cannot go on the road recruiting. That's uh, that's a – that's a definite no. That's only the on-the-field coaches, um, your official assistant coaches, and your head coach during certain times that can go on the road recruiting. They can meet with recruits while they are on campus. That is allowed. So um, as far as actual practice, your analysts are not coaches. Like, they're not your on-the-field coaches like your regular assistants. But they can, I believe, be at practice and certainly um, will be around the team on game day as well. I I think they can even be in the box. And, Mike, I think they can have a headset on as long as you are still under or at your limit. There's a limit on the guys that can be on the headsets. Um, it's pretty – like they can't, they can't give like any like major coaching in those. You know, they can give like uh, words of encouragement or, you know, there's just – like you said, there's gray area. Um, 
I don't want to misspeak and tell you guys something because the reason why is a lot of these rules continue to change. Yeah, um, exactly. So I want to make sure that I'm I'm up to speed with them all before I say, you know, they can and can't do this. But, I mean, for the most part, like you said, there's certain things that they can and can't do from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, big picture is this. You have an extra set of ears and eyes. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And you have experience in the building. It's not like this guy's going to, you know, not have a, a, a desk or he's going to be, you know, thrown in the janders closet and you have to go find him. You know, no, you're going to be able to see him in the building. You're going to have opportunities to talk with him. Um, but it's not the orthodox, you know, coach on the sideline game day, coaching you up in the huddle and all that kind of stuff. But um, that's that's not why you're bringing them in here. You're bringing them in for kind of the behind the scenes stuff. If, the best way to describe it, he's kind of like the iron. Right. He's going to be kind of making the shirt nice and smooth, you know, getting all the wrinkles out. You just have a really nice added iron um, at your disposal, not some rinky dink uh, red roof and iron, you know, that's going to probably stain your shirt and, and burn a hole through it. Uh, a Hilton iron, like a, a real nice. Uh, oh, yeah. OK, there we Hyatt, go. maybe big. Big yeah. Red says are analysts more or less assistants for the official coaches. I would say in some cases, yes, Big Red. Also, and so you know, I, I think that adding senior into the title, I think gives it gives him. He's not going to be getting anybody coffee. Let's put it like that. Like I, I don't want it to sound like that. I think if you're a senior offensive analyst and you're a former NFL coach or a former NFL head coach, your opinion actually matters. Like you're not like you look. You have like grad assistants that are guys that are coming up. Wes, you know, that's a good way to describe it. it. They're honestly they're they're a grad assistant, but they don't have to do the um, the coffee the coffee duties, right? Like they're not going to have to be the ones putting all like the the strategy. It's it's not as grueling. It's the it's a glorified and more advanced grad assistant in a lot of cases. But like you mentioned before, they're still working out through the details and everything. When it comes to senior analysts, it can be a little bit you know not exactly. It's kind of like snowflakes. They're not going to be exactly identical to another, but it's kind of like a advanced level of being a grad assistant, but not having to do some of the rinky dink tasks that come with being a GA. Yeah. The GAs are the guys who they're going to have to go get the coffee. They're going to get the donuts. They're going to have to do pretty much the GA description is do whatever the head coach or whatever the assistant coaches in a lot of uh, cases tell you to do. So not quite as much of that, but, but yeah, good, uh, good question there. Big red. So, Mike, you went to Dorman University for the first time. I warned you, man, that place is incredible. Um, first of all, you met uh, DJ Geth, new offer for South Carolina offensive lineman. Um, I watched your video. He looked like he was kind of grinning the whole time about the offer and really excited. Um, his dad actually played basketball at North Carolina. So, from what I've heard, the in-state pool of South Carolina and then right across the border there, North Carolina, that's probably the two schools to watch as far as his offers right now. But uh, what, what did you think watching him and uh, talking to him? And obviously, man, a, a big kid. And I'll say this too, Mike. DJ's got some. He's going to keep growing, I think, because he's got the he's got the baby face. Like he's a he's like six five, six six, three hundred pounds. But I think there's still some physical development as far as strength and maturity and stuff like that that is to come. Yeah, that's the first thing I noticed, and, and no disrespect to our guy Dustin Curtis and the phenomenal job that Derman, Derman, uh, Dorman, I can't even speak, Dorman does out there because they got a, a state-of-the-art facility when it comes to uh, you know their weight room, to their football field, to the practice fields, just their buildings that I saw on the outside. 
But once you get to college, it's a different animal when it comes to weightlifting. So you talk about some of that baby fat on him. I mean, this is a young man that even though, like you said, 6'6", 300 pounds, he's got plenty, plenty, plenty of um, of areas where he can gain some muscle and be just even more freakish of an athlete than he already is. And then just the foot footwork and being able to clean up on some of that. But um, I, I was impressed. I mean, I only saw practice for a little bit yesterday. I think what I really liked about him is just the explosiveness out of just the first couple steps. And that's that's what you're looking for when you're talking about an offensive lineman. I mean, the fact that Greg Atkins goes up there Monday and he sees just a little bit of practice and was like, all right, you know, that's that's what I'm liking, you know, um, on top of the fact that they've been talking to him, obviously, for the last couple of months. But you see that, like, you know, that's what you're looking for. You know, you go up at practice when you hear about players being offered on the spot or um, maybe like this case after the practice on Monday, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for, okay, we're looking for one or two things. Is this kid ready right now? And if they see it and they feel like they can develop him and be able to help him take his game to the next level, they're going to make him that offer. So this isn't something that I've had a conversation with Greg Atkins about, but I'm telling you that if you did, this is exactly what he would tell you. This is something that they felt good about, but going up there on Monday, they're seeing we're looking for one or two things. And I'm, I'm assuming, based on what I saw, the explosiveness, the low pad level, um, that's what they that's what stood out to him. So he uh, one thing that was neat, though, I mean, that he talked about and we've talked about this before, especially going back to the spring game. Just the way these recruits are really um, being drawn in by the atmosphere at Williams Bryce. I mean, that was one of the things that DJ mentioned, you know, I think he called the little towels being spun around for sandstorm. So, you know, the atmosphere, the fans are certainly doing their part wins and losses. You know, that plays a big part of it too, to a degree. Um, But being able to create that atmosphere. I mean, the game that he talked about Wes was the Kentucky game. Of course, South Carolina lost that night, but I mean, shoot, you wouldn't know that by the look on his face because he was just so blown away by the atmosphere that night. So, you know, I think in the moment, we don't really think about it. If you're a fan, you're looking at it like, oh, we lost. But it's just like, if you're coming out there, win or lose, creating a great atmosphere, you have no idea the impact that could make on a recruit when they are up there uh, making their visit. Yeah, you're, you're right, man. And I, I think um, a lot of times fans do sort of – obviously. They're focused on the wins and the losses. And Recruit- rightfully so. We get yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And and that's ultimately that's that's why you play the game for wins and losses. But the recruits don't really watch the games necessarily. Um, now they want to win in general, you know, but I, I've always told fans recruits don't choose a school because of any one single win or loss. Now, you know, trends maybe. Obviously, they're not picking Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson for nothing. Like, they're picking them because those are winning programs. But if you have a guy on a, on your campus and, oh, I, we, you know, my team lost this game, he's not going to not come to your school mm-hmm. just because you lost if everything else went well. And that's why it's important to get these guys on campus. They had a huge list of visitors for that Kentucky game. Huge crowd, great atmosphere. Did not go the way they wanted, but uh, yeah, there was it, a lot of recruits there that night. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? We'll, yes, we'll yeah, talk they, about that story another day. They were uh, they were packed in, uh, you know, apparently, but um, 
Chef Thomas Dickerson says South Carolina needs to offer some lower Richland kids. They've got some under-the-radar athletes. They actually – lower Richland has a kid, Nate Branch. I've watched play um, – I think he just got a Kentucky offer last week. Um, really solid under-the-radar player. So, good call, Chef Thomas Dickerson. Um, not sure about any of the other guys. Maybe you got some other names, but Nate Branch, really good receiver that people brag on locally. Um, Mike, what did you get to see the – the uh, weight room? Did you go in there? I, I only saw a video. I went into the the locker room. So when they were doing their stretch period, Dustin drove me down so I can actually see the stadium itself, which was just absolutely incredible. Um, I can't even imagine he was sharing stories of what it was like when Burns, and obviously this is being relayed to him, but you know when Burns was one of the top ranked teams in the country during those Lattimore days, and they came in and they played there, and there was like you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand people there. Um, just seems like a great venue to watch football, but he, he showed me the video, the weight room. He showed me the locker room itself and some of the things that they're going to be doing there. I mean, it's, it's like a mini college. I mean, um, you know, my high school now is, you know, better shape, I think, than my college in a lot of regards for a division two school. But even that school, I mean, there's a lot of things that Dorman would be able to compete with, um, in terms of just facility wise. I mean, it's just it's absolutely incredible. And then I didn't even realize that the freshman building was across the street. I mean, that's how freshman many campus, how many kids, how many kids go there? Any idea? I have no idea, man. I just know that place is phenomenal. I, I had been there a few times because they've had some of the shrine bowl practices there, yeah. there over the years. I had not been in the weight room until a few weeks ago when I went and met with Marky Anderson and, and Dustin Curtis showed me, uh, the weight room and their their basketball their gym is uh, super nice too, man. And that, I mean they've they've got players. They've got. I can see that. I can see that being an area that, you know, to to answer Big Red's question, are we establishing a pipeline of players at any one school? Wes, you might have more intel than me. I don't know if there's specifically a school right now. I feel like it's just still so early. I mean, obviously those relationships are are being built, especially when you talk about the the in state schools. Um, but you look at a school like Dorman, just because of how large it is and just how many athletes that are there, Dustin Curtis is a hell of a coach. And that's not saying that Dorman did not have a good coach before by any means, but he's a younger coach. He's adjusting to where the game is headed. Um, and I think he's going to be able to develop a lot of players over there that I'm not going to be shocked over the next couple of years to see a couple of players from Dorman come to South Carolina and especially um, a handful of them be division one guys, you know, I think, I think they're going to do a phenomenal job over there. And I think, um, you know, with, with Dustin Curtis, they're a guy that has proven to be a winner here in the Midlands. I think he's going to be able to get it done up there as well. Well, and the thing to watch there is Dorman has traditionally been the opposite of a pipeline for South Carolina. And yeah. now you have two guys in Marquee and DJ who are giving South Carolina a true look. Like it they changes the fence, it changes that fence. Everyone, that imaginary fence of oh, keeping guys in state. I mean, that challenging part, Wes, and you've seen it from from your your years of, of recruiting. It's a tricky spot. That Spartanburg, Greenville area. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you would say kind of that cutoff line is in terms of where you've seen more players. Like once they get to that Spartanburg area, you know, maybe go to Clemson or you know. So if you're able to start breaking in to some of these areas and you're able to extend that fence. I mean, that could be the difference. That could be the difference between a team that has 
six or seven wins or a team that gets, you know, nine or 10. Yeah, no doubt, man. And if they, if they can bust in with two guys out of Norman in the same class, um, it's big boys too. It, it helps. It helps. And, um, obviously this, this is going to be a pretty big O-line class. I think for South Carolina, I think they want to take four or five guys. Um, those guys, uh, DJ Geth and Marky Anderson could easily be two of them. All right, Mike, uh, let's get out of here, man. I think we've hit on everything we got to hit on. Um, Maybe hopefully this. I, I got a feeling this Saban, Jimbo, Dion, uh, drama. It's probably got a few more little twists and turns for us, so we can look forward to that, man. But uh, I appreciate the time, man. Yes, sir. Take care, guys. All right, he's Mike. I'm Wes. Uh, this has been GC Live. Thanks to Clint Hammond. Check him out, clinthammond.com, and of course our friends at Liberty Tax, uh, the tax team at the Columbia Liberty Tax locations. Uh, give them a call, and they can. Um, Help you through any tax woes that you may have. 803-462-5576. Until next time, y'all have a good one. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.